Um, I'd like to go ahead and turn your attention to the word of the Lord, if that's okay. We're going to be reading a few portions of scripture today from the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. I love the book of Psalms. A little confession, when I was younger, we, there was a, a expectation set when I was young that I was to read some uh, scriptures before I would go to bed, and it didn't take me long to find out that Psalms were easy to read and were quite short. So the little carnal eight-year-old could hurry up and read a scripture and then finish the night out with some comic books. Um, but there is so much in the book of Psalms that is just incredible and revelatory if you'll give it the time that it deserves. I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Psalms, chapter 18. We're going to start with verse 1 and just read through verse 3. When you have it, say amen. Amen. And the word of the Lord says this, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Amen. Now quickly turning to Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 13. The word of the Lord says this, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Verse 15, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressors is hard. One more portion of scripture, very well known, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I'd like to talk to you about a subject I've titled, Between the Rock and a Hard Place. Between the Rock and and a hard place. Amen. Can we lift our hands to heaven and ask the Lord to speak to us tonight? Precious Jesus, we thank you for your spirit that's here in this place today. Lord, we thank you for the breath that is in our lungs. We thank you for waking us up this morning, Lord, and bringing us here to your house, Lord, where we can feel you, where we can reach out and we can touch you and we can have an interaction with our Savior. God, I pray that your perfect will be done here at this midweek service, God, that you'd speak to the minds and the hearts of your people, God. Speak through me, your earthen vessel, I pray, Lord, that you might be glorified and that your sheep might be fed. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. You can be seated today. All throughout the Bible, the word of God, we see many countless even, examples of what we call imagery. This imagery is used in writing to better explain what is trying to be said by the author. Sometimes you have to get a little creative with words to 
help the mind paint a picture of what you're trying to get across. We can find these examples of imagery in many places all throughout Scripture. Uh, Just to point out a few examples, in Psalms chapter 1, verse 3, we read that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. This usage of imagery is comparing someone who delights in God's laws and someone who meditates on them day and night. It's comparing him to a thriving tree that will, without a doubt, produce fruit in his season. Isaiah 41.10 tells us, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Here the prophet Isaiah is using this imagery to paint in our minds the image, the picture of the Lord's righteousness as a hand that will uphold us in our time of trouble and in our time of need. How many are thankful for the hand of righteousness that will hold us in times of trouble? Psalms 119 tells us that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light Unto my path, this, this scripture, this passage illustrates how in times of uncertainty, in times of darkness, times when we're uncertain where the path of life might be taking us, and you will have those moments where the path becomes unclear, and there's twists, and there's turns that you didn't expect, but I'm so thankful that the word of God will illuminate the path and make the way clear to us. All we have to do is open it up and begin to read, and it, it makes the path clear. Isaiah 1 verse 18 tells us, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This scripture is illustrating to us about the Lord's ability to cleanse us completely of our sin. There is no stain too deep for the blood of Jesus. There is no sin too shameful for the blood of Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter who you've been with, who you've been around, I'm here to tell you there's nothing the blood of Jesus can't wash you clean of. When you find yourself at an altar of repentance, when you go down in that watery grave of baptism, when you lift your hands in complete surrender and surrender your mouth and your tongue to him and he fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you though your sins might have once been red as crimson, they will be like wool. They will be like wool when you have an encounter with the Savior who's the only one that is able to wash you white as snow. All throughout the Bible you'll find instance after instance example after example. You'll find these examples of imagery that do such a beautiful job of, of painting marvelous pictures in our minds that, that, that open the doors to deeper understanding of Scripture. That's why you can read one verse a hundred times and the hundred and first time you see it a different way that you never saw it before. It, it's, it's just an incredible, incredible thing the way that Scripture is reading. It's constantly showing us who He is and how we are meant to live as His people. Now, the phrase that I I chose for the title of this message is one I believe that we are all very familiar with. It's yet another form of imagery, though it's not one that is found in Scripture. It's a phrase that is very well 
known today. I'm, in fact, so well known that I'm confident that everybody in here has at least heard the phrase or perhaps even used it themselves as a form of expression. There are, are several different opinions as to where this uh, phrase or or uh, usage of imagery started, its origins, if you will, but it doesn't really matter. Either way, it means the same thing. It's used to describe a situation where someone doesn't have any good options, a, a position where somebody has no good choice to make, no good option is available to them. No matter what they choose, no matter what they do, no matter which way they go or they turn, something bad is going to happen as a result of their decision. This expression, this, this usage of imagery is describing the, the position of being stuck between two bad options. How many know what I'm talking about? How many can attest to having been in one of those situations before, between a rock and a hard place? I was thinking about this phrase that we, we use pretty often, and it's, it's a phrase I've heard many, many times before, and the more I thought about it, I began to realize how oftentimes the believer can find themselves in a spiritual type, if you will, of this specific scenario, between the rock and a hard place between the rock and a hard place. To better explain what I'm trying to say, let's, let's break it down and talk about the three parts of this phrase. They're identified by three main parts. First, the hard place. Two, the rock. And three, the place or the space being between those two things. Every single person who attempts to live this life without God will eventually find themselves in a hard place. That's not up for debate. That is just simply what happens when sin has its way. It's absolutely inevitable. It will happen one day or another. A life lived in sin can only possibly lead to one thing, and that thing is ultimately death. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, 15, that the way of the transgressor is hard. Please, please, please do not let the enemy fool you or trick you into believing otherwise. The way of the transgressor is hard. If you find yourself at a crossroads tonight, I, I need you to hear me. The way of the transgressor is hard. Hard. I know the entrance of that path might be wide and it might even seem inviting, but this path is not an easy one for anybody. It will be full of heartbreak. It will be full of deceit. It will be full of lies. It will be full of unexpected trouble and turmoil. The world does its very best to romanticize this, this way of life, this broad path. They'll tell you that there isn't any really right or wrong in the world that we live in today. There's, there's not really any harm in simply doing whatever it is that your heart or your flesh desires. Just, just live your life however you want to live it. Do whatever it is that just comes natural. Just express yourself and you'll everything will be fine. No, 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 no. I need somebody to hear me tonight. Do not be enticed by the broad way. Do not be enticed by the way that leads to destruction. It can only lead to one thing, and that thing is destruction. The way of the transgressor is and can only be 
hard. If you were to ask anybody here tonight that's battled addiction, they will all collectively tell you the way of the transgressor is hard. If you were to ask anybody that's had to reap the sorrowful harvest of things that they had sown in sin, believe me, they will all tell you that the way of the transgressor is so very, very hard. If you were to ask anybody who spent time on this broad path, they would all tell you the exact same thing. The way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. A life lived in sin, a life lived without God and without the ways of God is a hard place to be. It's a hard place to be. Oh, but I'm glad to inform you tonight that while the way of the transgressor is hard, while it might lead to destruction and death, it is not the only thing available to you. It is not the only option that you have tonight. Be encouraged because I'm here to tell you there is a rock. Oh, I said there is a rock. There is a rock of salvation. There is a rock of stability. In a world that is nothing but sinking sand, there is a rock. And you don't have to spend the rest of your life in that hard place that you might find yourself in. For he is able through his love and his mercy to lift you up out of circumstance. He is able to lift you up out of trouble. He is able to lift you up out of addiction. He is able to lift you up out of confusion and depression. He is able to lift you up out of the prison cell that is anxiety. He is able to lift you up out of the miry clay and set your feet on a rock. A rock. A rock to stay the rock is my fortress. The rock is my strength. The rock is my refuge. The rock is my solid ground when everything else is sinking sand. Oh, Christ, the solid rock on which I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh, I'm thankful. Is anybody else thankful for the rock? I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the rock. I need everybody here tonight to know without a doubt that the rock is your ally. The rock is your friend in a world that doesn't offer many true friends. The adversary would love nothing more than for you to believe that the rock is somehow not an option that is available to you. That is a lie. I'm here to tell you that the rock is your salvation. The rock is your help in times of trouble. It is not an obstacle for you. It is not an, an um, object that you must somehow overcome. It is how you overcome. And, and that mindset of viewing the rock as anything else but a resource is how you find yourself in the third position I'd like to talk about. And that's the space that we find between the rock and the hard place. When I was in prayer about this, about this message, I began to think about all the people that I knew that at some point in their life had, had turned to other things looking for help, had, had gone to other avenues seeking the help that they needed instead of turning to the rock that we have all heard preached about, turning to the rock that we had all heard teached or taught on. We, 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 I would watch as, as person after person would turn 
to another way, turn to another thing. And I'm not necessarily talking about bad things. I'm not really talking about, about things that we, we know are inherently bad and inherently evil. I'm not really talking about things like drugs or things like alcohol or, or things like uh, uh, worldly relationships or, or anything that you used to do when you were in the hard place. I, I'm just talking about things that we have learned to depend on instead of the rock. Things we've learned to depend on instead of the rock. I'm talking about things like money. I'm talking about things like uh, even friends or family. I'm talking about our own knowledge. I'm talking about our own understanding. Not bad things, but things that we have absolutely become dependent on. And I begin to ask myself, why is it that we so quickly turn to other things instead of immediately turning to the Lord? Why is it that we even give it another thought when, when, when troubles arise and when things, when obstacles are in our path? We, why do we even think about anything else besides turning to the Lord? You would think that it would be the opposite. One would think that you'd turn to your greatest asset or your greatest resource first before you tried anything else. And I began to ask the Lord, why is it that our first response to need or provision is to get on online banking and check the bank account to see how much money we do or don't have instead of asking the Lord to be our provision and to be our providing hand? Why, why is it that we call friends or family to talk about our problems before we even think about bowing our head and praying about those same problems? Why, why is it that we're so quick to pick up the self-help book and while the Bible lays dusty on the nightstand before we would ever think about opening the word of God, we, we view it as a last resort instead of option number one. And I believe the Lord revealed the answer to me. It's not super deep. It's not super revelatory. I believe it's because we have become almost completely self-reliant. Self-reliant. We've elevated self to a position of being the number one option. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be self-reliant in, in no way, shape, or form. There's a lot of areas in the physical where it's perfectly acceptable, even, even good, you could say, to be self-reliant. I, I, I'm very much a do-it-yourself kind of person. I consider myself a, a DIYer, if you will. I, I don't like to depend on other people to do stuff for me. Why would I pay somebody else $500 to do something when I can spend $700 in tools and spend a couple days on YouTube and do it myself? Just a no-brainer, to me at least. One word of caution to any potential DIYers in the house tonight. It's never as easy as the YouTube video makes it out to be. Don't, don't be deceived by the 10-minute YouTube video. 10 hours later, you'll be struggling just as much as you were when you started. I remember the first time I decided I, I was having some, some troubles with my car and knowing zero about mechanics, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna fix this myself. 19 year old me was gonna figure it out or bust. <laughs> so I went out and got the tools I needed and found the YouTube video and things did not go according to plan. I'm not saying self-reliance is a bad thing in every aspect or in every scenario, but when you become so self-reliant that you build your entire life on self, there lies 
the problem. We were never meant to build our lives on self. We live in a culture that idolizes self, self-promotion, self-image, self-love, self-gratification, self, self, self. Don't be fooled. Self is nothing more than dressed up quick sinking sand. You cannot build your life on self. You cannot build your life on your own knowledge and your own plans and your own agenda and your own finances and your own strength. A foundation of self will never be able to withstand the storms of life because there will ultimately come a day where your strength isn't going to be enough. There's coming a day where your finances are not not going to be sufficient enough. There's going to be a day when things don't go according to your plan or according to your agenda, and a foundation of self will crumble beneath the weight and the test of time. Oh, but when you build your life on the rock, when you make up in your mind, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this house is going to be built on one thing and one thing only. It's not going to be built on self. It's not going to be built on my finances. It's not going to be built on anything that I can generate myself. It's going to be built on the rock. And when you make that decision, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how hard the wind blows. It doesn't matter how much rain falls. It doesn't matter how loud the thunder rolls. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad the storm looks. When you build your life on the rock, you're going to withstand the test of time because you have a sure foundation. You have a sure foundation. I'm not preaching anything new tonight. This is not some new information. I, I would, if I were a betting man, I would bet that just about everybody in here has heard a message similar to this. We know that the Lord is our rock. He is our foundation. We know this. We know that he's our salvation. We know all of that. We've heard it preached over and over and over again. But I think we underestimate just how easy it is to find ourselves in this middle ground of self-reliance and self-dependence. We're not, we're not living in sin. We're not living in the world. We're not actively running from God. We're not in the hard place anymore but we're not living victoriously either. We're not living in and on the promise and the blessings of God either. Instead, we find ourselves stuck in this, this, this wasteland, if you will, of self-dependence and self-reliance. It's a dead-end road, folks. And I think the biggest reason we find ourselves stuck in this position between the rock and the hard place is simply because we have so overcomplicated our relationship with the rock. We have so overcomplicated our relationship with the rock. Let, let me explain what I mean by that. And in Numbers 20, we read how Moses was commanded by God to, to go out and speak to the rock. And when he would do that, when he would speak to the rock, it was promised that, that the water would flow and would provide for the people, the children of Israel. 
Now, now later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us that that rock was Christ. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Scripture clearly tells us that that rock is a shadow and type of the Christ to come. Moses had already smote the rock once back in Exodus and water did flow and provided for the children of Israel. But this time the Lord said, I want you to do something different, Moses. I'm not telling you to smite the rock with that staff again. I want you to open up your mouth and speak to the rock. But out of his frustration with the children of Israel at that time, Moses went out and he didn't obey the Lord. He picked up that staff and he smote the rock one more time. It was, it was a horrible mistake that cost him so very much. It cost him dearly. It was the mistake that would cost him his entrance into the promised land. You see, Moses didn't understand what was actually happening here. He thought maybe the Lord was just being a little particular about what he wanted done or, or he was maybe just being a little difficult in his request. But the Lord was trying to take Moses into a deeper relationship with him, into a deeper way of communing with him. Moses, you might not understand why I'm asking this of you right now, but there is coming a day when Christ, Christ the solid rock, the chief cornerstone, is going to be smitten on Calvary's hill, and blood and water will flow from him, from that rock, and it will be for the whole world for the remission of their sins. And from that day forward, there will be no more obstacles between me and my people. From that day forward there will be no more need for a high priest. From that day forward there will be no more need for a temple or a table of showbread or, or an altar of incense. There will be no need for any of that. There's not going to be a veil separating me from my people. I'll be 100% accessible to whosoever will. And all my people will have to do is open up their mouth and speak to me. They'll have true, true relationship, true, true communion with me. So let me ask, let me ask the person who maybe feels like they're stuck in that space we've been talking about, that, that rut of self-reliance, that, that space of, of self-dependence between the rock and a hard place. Let me ask you, what's your relationship like with the rock? What's your relationship like when the, with the rock? When's, when's the last time you simply just talked to him? When's the last time you simply opened up your mouth and said, Lord, I need you more now than I've ever needed you before? When's the last time you simply opened your mouth and said, God, I need your hand of provision. I, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Lord, I depend on you. Lord, I put my trust in you. Lord, I know you're my provider. I know you are my rock. You are my salvation. You're my salvation. If I'm preaching to anybody, I'm preaching to myself tonight. I, 
Not too long ago, I found myself in a kind of a, a, a spot between the rock and a hard place. I, I felt like I was just stuck kind of in limp mode. I wasn't going anywhere. Nothing was happening. I was doing everything I knew to do, and, and stuff just wasn't happening. And I, I prayed to the Lord. It was a Tuesday night. I prayed to the Lord. I said, God, I just need something. I don't know what. I just feel like I'm not going anywhere. Nothing's happening. I, I thought we were on the, the same page here, but it's not feeling like that anymore. I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know where I'm going. And just a little clarification would be nice. I'm not going to lie. It was one of those prayers that I, I was a little bit frustrated in my spirit. I said, God, just, just give me something. Just something. I came to church that Wednesday night, and I was standing in the old building over there and I was standing up front holding my little baby girl who was much younger at the time standing at the altar thinking about my problems instead of praying about them you know how it is that's what we do <laughs> think about things instead of pray about them and I was had my eyes closed just thinking and a precious saint of God I'm not even entirely sure who it was because I, I was facing the other way it came up behind me and was encouraging me just speaking into me and I, it, was, it took a lot for her to get through to me because I was all lost in my own thoughts. I was thinking and thinking and thinking, and, and I knew she was talking to me, and it was, it was so sweet, so encouraging. But then I, I felt a shift in her voice, and it cut through all of my own thoughts, and it cut through all of my, my, own, my own thinking and everything that was cloudy in my mind, everything that didn't mean any, anything, everything that wasn't important. And the Lord spoke directly to me as she said, you just keep building your life on the rock. Don't worry about anything else. And I, I said, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's, that's, that's what I needed. That's, that's what I needed. Thank you, Lord. I'm here to tell you, if you will just put all of your faith and all of your trust in the rock, you don't have to worry about anything else. You don't have to worry about what tomorrow might hold when you put everything in the hands that holds tomorrow. I'm here to remind somebody tonight that Jesus Christ is our rock. He is our sure foundation. He is our ever-present help in our time of trouble. Oh, what a friend. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. So when faced with adversity, when faced with a problem that I cannot overcome by myself, instead of staying in that dead end of, of self-dependence, I'm going to pick up my feet and I'm going to start walking to the rock. I'm going to pick up my feet and walk out of depression. I'm going to pick up my feet and walk out of confusion. I'm going to pick up my feet and, and walk out of uncertainty. I'm going to go to the rock. I'm going to go to the rock that is higher than I. I'm going to go to the rock, my chief cornerstone. I'm going to go to the rock that has never once let me down. I'm going to go to the one whose promise has never once been short, whose, whose word has never not come forth. I'm going to go to the rock. 
Oh, where do I go when there's nobody else to turn to? Who do I talk to when nobody wants to listen? Who do I lean on when there's no foundation stable? I go to the rock. I go to the rock for I know that he is able. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain and the mountain stands by me when the earth all around me is sinking sand on Christ the solid rock I stand I go to the rock I go to the rock amen the musicians can go ahead and come forth I'm not going to preach much longer hallelujah hallelujah There is inevitably going to come a time where you find yourself in this place I'm talking about. This, this empty space, this void between not being in the will of God and being built on the rock. And it's going to be a confusing time because you're not, like I said, you're not in the hard place anymore. You're not living a life of sin anymore, but, but something just doesn't feel right. Something, something doesn't it's not it's just not working. You're not, you're not, it's not happening. And I'm here to tell you, the enemy will tell you you don't have any options. You always have an option. You can pick up your feet and go to the rock. I don't have to stay here in this place of self-dependence. I don't have to stay here dwelling in my own thoughts and dwelling in my, my confusion. I don't have to stay here. All I have to do is pick up my feet and start going to the rock. When I don't get the report I wanted from the doctor, I'm going to pick up my feet and go to the rock. When my family life is, is not what it once used to be, I'm going to pick up my feet and and start walking to the rock. When my marriage is in shambles, I'm going to pick up my feet and I'm going to walk to the rock because the rock is where I'll find refuge and the rock is where I'll find strength. The rock is where I find sure-footedness. I wonder if we could all stand to our feet tonight. I want us, everyone who's able, I wonder if you could come to this altar. Oh, I'm thankful he's the rock. I'm so thankful that in a world of chaos, there's a place where we can step. We don't have to worry about whether or not we're going to lose our footing because that rock is immovable. That rock isn't going anywhere. That's the rock of ages. And when you take that step towards the rock, you'll be amazed You'll be amazed at what starts to happen in your life. When you make that decision, I'm not going to build my life on self anymore. I'm not going to frame up my life with a foundation of self. I'm not going to let the makeup of my life be all about finances and be all about things. I'm going to build my life on the rock. I'm going to go to the rock. I'm going to go to the rock. Well, I wonder if we could lift our hands all across this place and let that simply be your prayer. Lord, I'm making my way towards you. I'm making my way towards a deeper relationship with you. 
You don't have to overcomplicate it. All you've got to do is open up your mouth and speak to the rock. All you've got to do is open up your mouth and speak. God, you are my refuge. You are my strength. You are my buckler. You are my salvation. Everything I need is found in you. Everything I need is in you. Oh, come on, that's it. Let's fill this house with praise tonight. Let's fill this house with praise tonight. Oh, you're our rock. You're our rock. I go to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, hallelujah.